Oh, I'm drinking tap water. It's so gross. If it comes, oh, this is disgusting. So, Luke, where are you? I am at the University of Notre Dame right now, Gormley. A real Catholic college. Yay! It is huge. And they have some pretty buildings here, actually. Uh, on the side that you're on? Because there's plenty ugly. There's plenty ugly there. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. But there's, there's some, like, the architect on building is kind of cool looking. Yeah. And then I think the football stadium looks cool. Even though it's kind of has that, like, you know, uh, modernity, just kind of concrete style. It's done in a way that I think it looks good. And then the building that I'm in looks okay. The building I'll be in tomorrow looks pretty cool. So what uh, what did you do there today? Did you get there? Is today your first day? Yeah, so today I got there. Uh, I got here. I uh, met the guy whose um, apartment I will be um, subleasing. It's right across the street from campus, so it's practically on campus. But it's just far enough. It's kind of interesting. It's just far enough from my building that a walk seems kind of exhausting. So I don't know if I'm going to walk to class or not. It's a, It seems like it's about maybe three-quarters of a mile. Uh, would, would, would you walk that? Yeah. Yeah, I take about a mile and a half walk every day. Ugh, I hate you. Just during the day in the heat of the Texas sun. No, tell me more about your suffering. That's great. <laughs> yeah, but then I have to show up and look all professional and stuff. You're in ministry. No one cares about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate you so much. I mean, you also don't sweat like like me. Oh, no, I'm a gross sweater. Literally, my daughter came outside today. 90, 92 degrees, Houston. I'm cleaning the grill to start grilling for dinner. My daughter comes out. She goes, Dad, are you okay? And I was like, what? Why? Yeah. She goes, well, you look really sick because you're all sweaty. And I'm like, it's 92 degrees and I'm cleaning a grill, like covered in grease and all this stuff. And she goes, yeah, but you're only out here for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. She goes, no, 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 I'm well aware of that, but you've been here for, I mean, not even 6,000 seconds. It's just a little. Come on, you gross old man. <laughs> we've reached the point in time in our podcasting lives where i have to drink water as opposed to beer because i know i'm gonna feel bad if i don't oh poor <sighs> hey let me give you let me give you some pro tips right now because you're using those headphone things they pick up every effing sound on the face of the earth oh, so son of a bitch can't yeah, no, I mean, they pick up everything. So, you know how, like, you're on the phone with someone and they do the dishes or, like, they turn on the yeah. kitchen sink and you're like, did you flush me down the toilet? What are we doing here? Yeah, it sounds like, so, so, just, so if I do this, <laughs> it sounds awful. Yes. Prepare yes. for an awful sounding episode, everyone. Uh, prepare for me hanging up on you and just taking all the money for myself. <laughs> oh, this is awful. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is awful. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, okay. What is it? I'm just putting on, I'm trying to drink water out of a thing. Nope. No water for you, all Luke. Right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> hey, guys. It is Luke here, and I am here today to tell you once again about BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. BetterHelp. Is there something that is getting in your way with your own personal happiness or is preventing you from trying to achieve your goals? Listen, 2021 is a lot like 2020. Everyone's having a hard time right now, and that is okay. Help is out there. You can find help right now. With BetterHelp, they can actually get you a match with your own professional licensed therapist within um, 48 hours. They are not a crisis line. It is not a self-help thing. It is professional counseling done um, securely online. And we have Catching Foxes on um, listeners from all over the country, even Canada. Anyone, anywhere in the world can get help through BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com. Here is the deal. Once you just start, I'm living a happier life today. But I'm going to tell you that it actually really does work. I know some people who've gotten some great help, pun intended, from BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This podcast is, is sponsored by BetterHelp. And Catching Foxes um, listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash foxes. Catching Foxes listeners get 10% off, off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash foxes. Okay, hey, can we try, like, I know this is a joke that I'm even saying it, but can we try for 45 minutes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I would really, really like that. I'm so tired. Because I am the walking dead. I have uh, one bit of follow-up. Okay. Uh, maybe two bits of follow-up, and then that's it. Okay, all right, why don't you do the follow-up, and I will try to find this. Okay. So, uh, your six types of working genius, I have consumed the entire podcast of the Working Genius Podcast. <laughs> you listened to all the episodes? Consumed it all on double speed, living large. I, no, it really helped me think through some things, because they had one where they uh, applied it to their family life, 
And I'm like, oh, yeah, Shannon's definitely tenacity. I'm not. And nothing makes her happy than finishing a task and checking it off her list. Meanwhile, I'm like, just do it later. It's <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, it's it, but it is. It is. It's really funny. So I, I realize this woman in my group has the gift of discernment. Mm-hmm. So this is here's here's, I think, a very valid application of these things. So this woman that's one of my employees, I now have a much bigger set of direct reports because I'm now in charge of all of faith formation at the parish and not just adult faith formation in sacraments. So, um, oh, great. <laughs> I know. So I know I'm, you're going to hear about this endlessly. <laughs> so I'm sitting there and, uh, I had done, this is about one month ago, about one month ago, I'm doing my employee reviews and I'm sitting down with this one woman. And I said, you know, what are some beneficial things that you've seen since I've taken over that you want to see continue? You know, you don't want to like not know what's going well and then accidentally kill it. So she said more than anyone else, you have asked me for my input. And she said, no one ever asked me for my input because I'm just seen as that background person. And I want to be that background person. It makes me happy to help everyone else's programs run. And I understand that's my thing, but there came this point where it was like, I was just handed lists and expected to do them without any input. And I was like, huh? Okay. And she goes, and you have asked me more for my input in one week than I have the previous four years combined. Wow. And I was like, wow, okay, that's good. And so for me, it was so natural to ask for input because I know that I suck what I would call it is execution, right? Like I'm really good at building excitement and energy and I love playing with new ideas and mapping things out, but it's the follow through. It's the tenacity part. And I've asked her help on so many things and input and what do you think here? What do you think there? That I, I literally view this person as like, she is the one who balances me out and she didn't see that. And it was when I did the six types of working genius and I started listening to the podcast that I realized that not only does she have tenacity, but she has the um, discernment. Mm. I was implicitly drawing on her gut check for me when I'm trying to make these new decisions and rapid things. And, you know, I got a bunch of youth ministers who I didn't know if they would be with me and, you know, two or three months turns out they weren't. So I'm relying on her as my person of continuity to me. I like, I had a bunch of reasons why I needed to listen to her, but it wasn't like this explicit, like, no, I think you have the gift of discernment. Like I didn't have that language. Yeah, sure. Sure. We're overhauling our youth room. And, uh, and we're doing the hiring of youth ministers and stuff like that. I have found that with this language of discernment, I'm like, I want her in every decision, every decision. I want her like I, and literally like the, th- me and, um, confirmation coordinator and her the, as the YM assistant, we were sitting there and we're just talking about issues and I am now paying attention to the discernment thing. And I'm just listening to her. She's like, hey, I don't know if that'll work. And, you know, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about that? And I'm just like, huh, you know, in the past we did this, but I don't know if that really worked all that well. It seems like a lot of kids got ignored, you know, and she just has that sense. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. So I brought her in deliberately. And I, I, I said to her at one point, I'm like, you're here because I desperately need your discernment. But we're overhauling our youth room. We're renovating. And uh, just doing some small improvements, like uh, taking up the gross carpet that has not been changed in 15 years and laying down uh, wall-to-wall laminate luxury vinyl plank wood flooring. Mm, And we had to make all these decisions on colors and on this stuff. And I had my decisions that I wanted, like or I had my my preferences. But I was like, let's hey, guys, let's not start this meeting until Diane gets here. I need Diane here. Like, And I was intentionally doing that because I – and sure enough, she was like, well, this is good and this is good, but don't you think – and she just – knew the questions to ask that would just very gently and she works so well with um shelly the confirmation coordinator that just both of them together can just kind of immediately lock on to the same thing and i'm like ah oh, this is nice of course i got my own way because i'm the boss but you know it's nice just to hear other things <laughs> yeah yeah oh, you're gonna love being the boss aren't you uh I'm, actually i hate it i hate I'm it so kidding. much i'm like just give me a classroom please, please. <laughs> oh wait i get to pick my own classroom Excellent. <laughs> i just want to be seen i just want to be seen <laughs> give me what my wife won't <laughs> i mean that in more ways than one <laughs> all right and here's my second follow-up second follow-up this will be quicker me and shannon just finished season two of for all mankind that alternate history mm-hmm. nasa Mm-hmm. And uh, it is incredibly delightful. And uh, I want to I want to point out like some of the subtleties, you know, because I, I had made the distinction that between it and um, Captain America, Falcon, Winter Soldier, that uh, that that they were on the nose about all their political points that they were trying to hit, but for all mankind was not on the nose, but they still hit you know very similar political points. And it's just fascinating, like you know the like 
Like one of the problems whenever they try to make a pro woman movie is they make the women characters all unbelievably perfect and the men all like idiot screw ups or outright evil. And you constantly have this like, okay, I get it. Okay, I get it. Like, yeah. then you end up getting annoyed at the message because it's so like, all right, all men are scum, all women are perfect. I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. Um, but the fascinating thing in this show is how they're trying to paint the women as heroes, but they're all flawed heroes. They're all there is not a single perfect hero in this book, and not all of like many of them make the wrong decision that comes back later on and bites them in the ass and mm. ruins things. And then you have men who are believable, who are and, – and all the characters are different, right? So there's one guy who is a, like a pot-smoking hippie who's really in touch with his feelings, but he's also not a weakling. And he deeply, madly loves his wife, but he's not going to sit there and, you know, let her destroy herself. And he – you know, and it's stuff like that that constantly happens that you're like, this show – the only way I can say it is this show takes its themes and its characters seriously. Like even Ronald Reagan, where they throw out a couple lines that kind of attack Ronald Reagan as a you know conservative, whatever. Yeah, they're not they're not like crazy over the top. What an idiot, you know. Yeah, and yeah. they're and then and just when you think, and this is what I love, just when you think they're going to paint him as a two dimensional, you know, Republican conservative, borderline libertarian, you know, idiot, clueless, he. But like just a couple comments is it's a catalyst in the complete opposite direction than what you think. And it's fascinating. Like they go out of their way to make sure almost like Sultanitsyn that no individual character is so bad that there's nothing good about them or so good that there's nothing bad about them or messed up about them. And the pacing is nice and slow in it, it doesn't rush things. But at the same time, you don't feel like it's dragging ever. Nice. And so yeah. I I after finishing season two. Um, uh, uh, Apple podcaster guy, um, oh, what's his name? Daring Fireball. John Gruber said that season two is better than season one, which is a hard feat to do. I don't know if I agree with that, but because I saw him back to back, I felt like they were just perfect together. Perfect together. Huh. Um, and I, I'll have a little bit more time after I'm done here to start watching some stuff. We watched Loki last night, kind of, I was packing, we were getting everything okay. ready. So I wasn't able to fully invest in it, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Good. I was going to ask you because my kids are going to watch it tomorrow. And I was going to, if I could stay up late tonight, I would watch it. But um, I can't because I have to write an entire week of fifth and sixth grade VBS curriculum. Do they really need I've to done be nothing there? And no. it's, it's Monday. <laughs> I don't have youth ministers. It starts Monday. <laughs> Gomer, what are you doing? What are you doing? What have I done? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a train wreck. We just made the offer to our two new youth ministers. And uh, and yesterday, I think they signed the official paperwork saying yes to our offer. And uh, I'm just like, okay, well, this is the beginning of something new. I mean, or a horrible failure, not because of me, but because of them. I'm perfect. But uh, oh god, it's so bad for them. Uh, the it's just it won't happen until July one. But also on July one, you know, one of my really close friends, Father David Hust, is going to be the parochial. Oh man, <laughs> it's insane. I could I, like I thought. That, were you gunning for that? Did that just happen randomly? It just happened randomly. That's crazy. It is crazy. That's, well, it is ab. It is absolutely crazy. The divine and it's funny Lord, because so that's awesome. I I know I know I know. It's not because I was going to quit or anything. <laughs> now you can. Now you're in it. I know. Hey, Father David, this is great. Anywho, we're on fire called, and they're looking for a chubby, plucky little podcaster. <laughs> no, no, no. They refuse to speak t- to Luke. So, you know, I'm all that's left. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. Oh, that's all I got fun. for my uh, for my my follow up stuff. Are you nervous? I about- do have. I'm sorry. Am I, am I nervous about what? Father David being there. Is there a part of you that's like, what if this goes wrong? Or like, what if it gets weird? No, no, because of who David is and uh, my relationship with him over the years. Like, what do you mean by that? Well, he's one of those guys like that you know where you stand with him, but I, I, I think that great dictum of uh, Steve Jobs applies to him. He has enough humility where I think it does, where he has strong opinions that are loosely held. Like he'll fight for all the things that he thinks and believes, and he'll all argue with you till the cows come home. But uh, I think if you make a good argument, 
he'll he'll change his mind. That's true. You know? um, That's true. That's true. I'm not. I I can sometimes get to where rather than have the argument, you know, rather than have round two or three, I just tune people out. I'm like, no, I'm done. Okay, fine. You you can do what you want. I'm done. But he's not like that. So he he's the kind of guy that argues to a resolution. So yeah. So okay, let me let me say this. I think this was a good illustration. The ordinariate of the Chair of St. Peter, which is an Anglican-approved rite within the Latin Roman Catholic Church, they uh, they have a church nearby. Us. It's a beautiful church, beautiful liturgy, you know, all this stuff. I love them a lot. Um, and Father Fletcher is from Oklahoma, got that Oklahoma accent, and uh, which sounds awful, by the way, but sorry, Father Fletcher. Um, but they, uh, a lot of people have left St. Anthony's to go to that church for a handful of reasons, and one of those reasons... That is kind of the main one in in my head is the solemnity of their liturgy. So they do everything at Orientum. They have altar rails. They do intinction when they administer Holy Communion. So they have a a special saboria that has the hosts on the outside and the precious blood on the inside. So they take it and dip ever so slightly the body into the blood. And then they say, body and blood of Christ. And they give you Holy Communion. So it's it's a very, and everything's in English. Right, it has the feel of a Latin mass, but everything is in English. I've been to mass there, loved it. You know, very great. Um, you know, a lot of people do two things. They live in both worlds. Like they go to mass there, but they go to all their Bible studies and community groups at our church. Um, so, because we have so much stuff to offer, which is kind of the benefit of a big parish. Mm-hmm. But they're a small church, so they're like two hundred families, something like that. And that's kind of like they don't want to get any bigger than like 200 families. That's their goal. And if they do, they'll start a new church in the area and send another pastor out. Um, And the pastor there is married, right, because he's an Anglican convert. Mm -hmm. He's married, so he's got a wife and kids and stuff. But they're so like it's very solemn. It's very sacred. It's very reverent. All the things that people say about the traditional Latin mass. So uh, uh, a beautiful young woman, deeply unfortunately, um, just graduated high school. She was riding her bicycle, and she was struck – by a car and died. Oh, gosh. And, you know, oh. The, her, her pastor, her family had switched to, they were part of our school and stuff, but they, they've been going for a couple of years to um, Church of the Presentation. And yeah. Father Fletcher, middle of, you know, middle of the night, drove out there and he stayed with her to like, stayed at the scene for, to like two in the morning. Um, the guy, I mean, just did all the right things, right? You like comfort the family there from beginning to end. Well, their church is too small to hold, like our school families want to come, parishioners at our church want to come to her funeral. Yeah, um, Frasati, Frasati, which is our Catholic high school run by the Nashville Dominicans, they, you know, their community wants to come. So you're looking at 1,200 people, and the Church of the Presentation only holds like 350, I think, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And so we offered our our church, and it was going to be so interesting. One of the things that some of us were talking about was. You know, many members of our church and other area churches that are, you know, normal Novus Ordo diocesan churches, they're going to see the solemnity of this funeral. And it was, a, I think they call it the, a solemn funeral mass or something like that. And um, holy moly, I wasn't there for it. I was actually gutting our sound system for the youth room in preparation for VBS. But uh, I saw a video and pictures of it. And holy moly, I mean... It's one of those things where it's like, if you can see the priest, you're not using enough incense. Like, it filled mm-hmm. the church. Wow. And everyone came out just saying, that was one of the most beautiful liturgies I've ever been a part of. So, uh, my pastor, you know, he's definitely heard this stuff. And he, he said, uh, the choir, the, the, the scola, was the, that was the most beautiful music I've heard in anywhere in our diocese. Wow. And it's not technically in our diocese, because the ordinary it is a North American diocese. Yeah. So, um, so... That's Father David's wheelhouse, mm-hmm. like all this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And yeah, so it, it, it was is. just cool. It's just cool talking and just having Father Tom be like, listen, I know younger people like in terms of liturgy, more reverence, more tradition, more solemnity. You know, that's, you know, that's something that I would love Father Dave just to do. Oh, and so good. I'm like, yeah, thank you, Tisa. Thank you, Tisa. And I didn't, I didn't ask that because I was like, uh, I didn't, I'm not sure I'm implying that it'd be hard to work with uh, Father David. Quite, quite the opposite, actually. I just think it's always a little bit interesting when you, when you, when friends become yeah. coworkers. Maybe we're not going to be coworkers. Maybe we're just going to be co-people. <laughs> co, <laughs> co, co-laborers in the vineyard of the Lord. <laughs> indeed, my friend. Indeed. Yeah. So I'm excited, man. I'm excited, Good. but um, 
Yeah, we had a lot of we had a lot of families. That girl uh, that passed. Um, oh man, she was she was deeply beloved in mm. all these different communities that she touched, and some of our friends were really close to her. So, everyone, please just keep her in your prayers. Say say hail Mary for those that you know. One for the you know blessing of her soul and all that good stuff, but also for uh, all those that are left behind having to carry the. The sadness of not being able to see yeah. her again. She's it always sucks. You know, she's eighteen years old, nineteen years old, something like that, about to be a freshman in college, and at the beginning of summer, she's lost. So it's it's a hard thing. Oh God, bless her. Oh gosh. Well, on that note, do you want to do ten minute topics? Hey everyone, Gomer here. Let me talk to you real quick about Redacted Coffee Company. They specialize in premium small batch coffees that are roasted to order. Let me say that again. This means the coffee you order is roasted the same day it is shipped to you. That ensures the freshest possible coffee being delivered directly to your door. This is why when you get coffee, so many people have to put stuff in it. Because when you get bad coffee that was roasted weeks earlier and then you finally get it, it's why store coffee is just sitting on grocery store shelves and it's gross. And that's why we have to add all this creamer and stuff because it's not fresh. Now, here's the deal. Redacted Coffee Company, their beans are ethically and sustainably sourced. They prioritize, is what I love, Catholic social teaching right here. They prioritize ensuring farmers are not exploited and are paid more than a living wage for their work. That's awesome. Also, redacted coffee beans are processed in an environmentally responsible way that does not waste water. They only ship to the U.S. and Canada because of the freshness, but also out of concern about companies just trying to give everything to everyone in the name of profit. They don't do K-Cups because they're wasteful, they're destructive, and also, and we all know this if we admit it in our hearts, they produce inferior cups of coffee. I also like their business model because they're employee-owned. Redacted Coffee believes that's the ethical thing to do. Catching Fox's listeners get 25% off their purchases. 25%. That's incredible. Okay. But <laughs> you have to choose your loyalty. You can use one of two promo codes, Team Luke or Team Gomer at checkout. No, there isn't a limit on the number of times you can use the promo code. Yes, this is a popularity contest. Gosh, I love these people over at Redacted Coffee. That's Redacted Coffee Company who is sponsoring this show, Small Batches, Premium Coffee, Roasted to Order. Thank you all for sponsoring this episode of our show. <laughs> Team Gomer. All right, so it's so funny. So I have an old post that I put on Patreon in anticipation of me coming to school, and uh, I wait. Where are you? Oh, I'm at um, the University of Notre Dame. Perhaps you've heard of it mm-hmm. once or twice on this podcast. Yes, yeah, so I'm only gonna, uh, going to be learning how to be a tip-top nonprofit executive at one of the most prestigious colleges in the world. Anywho. Don't mind me. <laughs> no, no, but you're the expert. No, I'm just kidding. It's so harsh. <laughs> uh, Luke, I listen to some podcasts. Uh, check and mate. <laughs> uh, I've read a lot of John Acuff, and he says some good things. Start! So, <laughs> all right, so it's, it's so funny. So I'm on this Patreon post from a couple of uh, weeks ago, and I was like, what? wait, how did you only get 12 responses? That's so weird. Oh, by the way, if you want to... Support us. You can do that at patreon.com slash cf, patreon.com slash cf. Thank you to everyone who's joined the Discord. That's been super cool. Yeah, we got a Discord. You can't get into the Discord unless you do it through patreon.com slash cf. I'm actually pretty excited. I'm, I'm glad that you did that. Luke, so I did a Zoom call with everyone who wanted. I actually had the presence of mind to post it like a day or two before. I was on there for an hour and a half. They let it more than I did. But then they said, yeah, you know, we really need we really need to do get a Discord service. I was like, okay, I'll look into it. And while they're having a conversation, I just fired it up. Some of them sent me links to it, mostly Rebecca. And uh, I plow through it, and I'm like, oh, it's free. Oh, yes, please. Yes, please. <laughs> and so I set it up. It took me five minutes. And then it's like, what do you want to name your moderators? And so I said, Vatican Three Paritas. And so if you're a moderator, you have the title, Vatican Three Paritas. Who are the moderators again? I, I know that Moira's one. Which, by the yeah, way, it's, it's Moira and Rebecca. Major, yeah. oh, oh, awesome! They're they're the best. Um, major, major, thank you to Moira for the gift she sent. She actually sent me a Lisa Frank folder. These amazing pens, and now me and my wife are obsessed with. Even though they they're pens for 
12 year old girls, but they are nice pens. So thank you, Moira. <laughs> that was amazing. You are. What uh, are those pens? They're like, uh, I'm not sure what kind of, but they, they just all, I've got a picture of it somewhere. I will um, I'll send it to you. It's like, they're definitely for like young girls, but they're very good quality. Lisa Frank pens. No, it's a Lisa Frank unfolder or something. And then she included pens with it. Do you remember because I told the story about how I wanted to lease a Frank uh, a Trapper Keeper when I was in third grade? I thought it looked cool. <laughs> yeah. That is hilarious. So, what, what animal did you have on the front of it? A unicorn jumping over the moon? I don't remember, but it's, I'm just embarrassed. I probably It probably was really cool. and just I don't like cool-looking things. You're an embarrassment. <laughs> All right. Um, so I thought we had like 12 comments. And I was like, what the hell? And then I realized we have 114. It was just those the 12 out of 114. So I think we've got enough to – I don't know what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks but because we had such good plans and then life happened. Um, yeah. But, hey, we'll see. Right, so let's just, let's just do a couple of these. I'm okay. going to pick a random one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Here we go. Looking great, Luke. Best wishes to you as you prepare for your studies at Notre Dame. Thank you, Emily M. I put a picture of myself on there. Uh, the next oh, yeah, in our Discord, the official photo of our Discord. You remember when that Russian app was uh-huh. doing all of our private information, but it would let us age each other's faces mm-hmm. in photos? Worth it. It's your photo in Alaska where you're an old man on a seesaw horse. And you're holding your beer up, and I took a picture of you, and that's the image. So, so that's Discord. not you didn't take that you didn't take that picture. That's not in Alaska. Oh, it was it was with my Alaska photo. Someone else did it. No, no, that that's in Lima, Ohio. We just we we did take pictures like that when we were in Alaska. Yeah, but that was when okay. we were on the deck, just hanging out with those very kind <laughs> people who put us up. It was so great. Um, that was that was. Do you remember that? That was so much fun. It was. It was. It never got darker than seven p.m. That, I could have. Remember, I just. I could have stayed up all night. We almost uh, did. Everyone got yeah. up to leave at eleven, and we're like, ah, oh, we got to work tomorrow, and we're like. Okay, it's like seven thirty. Oh <laughs> yeah. my god, it's ten forty five. Okay. Good day. <laughs> I mean I I stayed up and drank. Okay, so uh what are your what are your guys' thoughts on uh, on raising kids T V and screen time? This is from Matthew. Uh okay, so the the rules for my family are basically like this. Uh we have two iPads, one of which is my iPad, so I take it to work sometimes. Um, so it's iPads, TVs, and I have an Xbox in my office. Essentially, when they play an iPad, it's 20-minute timers. We only have two, so they have to share it with their sibling. And uh, we usually never let them have more than two rounds of the iPad. Hmm. Um, like television that. is – we have two TVs, but only one is hooked up to content, you know, like uh, an Apple TV or whatever. Yeah. The other one's the one in my office hooked up to the Xbox. So if they're – Watching TV, they can't be on an iPad. If they're in the room with the TV playing, they can't be on the iPad. They have to leave the room. Hmm. Because I don't want people getting in the habit of having multiple screens all the time, always I, on. So if there's if, if they're in a room, there's only one screen that's on. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I really, yeah. really like that. I'd like that. Now, I'd, I'd like that for, like, just, my, just for me and Aaron. Yeah. For me and Shannon, it became a point because it's like we'd sit down to watch TV and she would turn on her phone and be texting people. Yeah. And for me, I despise that. And for her, she gets that I don't like that. So I don't care if if she needs to answer text messages. She can do whatever the hell she wants. But the idea is we're together here. I'm like, let's just do this thing. If someone needs a quick answer, yeah, whatever. That's fine. But, uh, like, we're not there to carry on conversations. So um, unless we each are participating in that text message conversation, which is, happens very often because my friends are her friends and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so with our kids, um, so normal school week rules are no screens until all the schoolwork is done. No TV until Saturday morning, and I because I wanted to build in them a habit of Saturday morning cartoons, even though everything is Netflix and on demand. Mm-hmm. I still wanted them to have a thing that they look forward to, and now it's funny because now they're all watching like Nickelodeon shows, and it's funny how they're like graduating up through these things just kind of naturally. Yeah, um, and they're watching shows that their friends aren't watching. Like she's watching Live and Maddie, which is a, it, God, it's so stupid. But uh, <laughs> and these handful of shows, and they're. They're funny enough that I can stand being in the room with them, but uh, we tried to watch the box cart, not the box, the Babysitters Club, 
Oh, I've never and, watched uh, our kids or whatever. That, sh- that was awesome. Yeah, my son Noah just is like killing the books. It's awesome. So, okay, so back to screens. Yeah, back to the screens. They, uh, like, school year stuff, they have to have all their schoolwork done before they can even ask for an iPad yeah. or, or anything. Um, and they only get 20 minutes on it, right? So I don't feel bad that my kids have access to screens. You know, some people are, like, super fanatical. I have a subscription to Apple Arcade, so I know that they're not going to be taken out of the app in order to do some in-game purchase, a YouTube video for an advertisement. Mm-hmm. Because what happens in all these games will say, watch this ad till it's completely finished, and then you get an extra 100 gold coins. So they'll do that over and over again. And now they're just in YouTube. And now they're exploring YouTube. And I'm like, oh, what the hell is going on here? Yeah. So um, with Apple Arcade, it blocks all that. So Nice. Is Apple Arcade, is it good? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, good, it's good for those types of games, you know? Uh, they just got uh, NBA uh, okay. 2YK21, whatever it is. And my son Noah downloaded it. You know, so it's like a, a higher tier type game. Okay. And he now loves basketball, which is so funny. He, he never cared about basketball ever. Now he's playing on video games. Now he's got strong opinions about um, LeBron James. Yeah, oh, he's got opinions. Hey, LeBron, how many millions are they paying you to ride that bench until that clock runs out? I don't care how far your team is down. You sit your ass on that chair. You don't get up and leave when there's five minutes on the clock. Get back there. LeBron, shut your mouth about Hong Kong and China. You don't know it. You don't know it. Oh, it's so funny. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's the rules. And so now that we're in summertime mode, it, the Saturday rules apply across the – it's like a week, normal week. So whatever happened on Saturday, they can't watch TV. They can start watching TV at, Saturday, at 7 a.m. It has to be appropriate. Everyone gets one turn, and then they can start with video games and iPads until I tell them to stop. They have to do – they have to take Buddy for a walk every day. They have to go, you know, do stuff like that. So – now that Kateri has just officially turned 11 in the state of Texas, 11-year-olds are allowed to stay at, a, stay at home alone. So now she's... Um, I cannot believe that. She's, at, she's been home alone now three times, and she'll text Shannon, and she'll be like, um, why don't you go shopping or something? Don't come home. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot believe that. I know. 11 years old. I genuinely can't. She looks so... Like, she looks... I was showing the pictures that Shannon put on Facebook to Aaron. I'm like, I can't believe how old she looks. Yeah, she could pass for, like, a 13 sometimes. Yeah. it's. But she's also very young and very innocent. And, uh, yeah. It's funny. She got got burned by her friend a couple days ago. You hate to see it, you Uh, know. Uh, But her friend was supposed to spend the night for the weekend at our house. Yeah. And she was like, I want to go home. I'm going to go home. Like, uh... And it was like out of nowhere. It it really it really broke her little heart. Oh, oh, that makes me so sad. But then I took her out for a steak lunch and a daddy daughter date, and uh, <laughs> it was fine. It's like, ooh, uh, this is a good chance for me to like kill two birds with with one stone. I get a steak. She feels better, <laughs> or something. I don't really care. I get a steak. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. At the very least, I get steak. <laughs> All right. We need to have more friends who can ghost our kids more often. Um, yeah. So right now we have a rule where we have no screen time for Everly. The only hiccup to that is grandparents and other family members who are not in the area. So she does get some screen time every day, but I think it's kind of working because when the TV is on there, sometimes we're like, listen, we're like, you know, we, we all got sick a couple of weekends ago. And we're like, whatever. She just doesn't turn her head towards the screen. Oh, really? Yeah. So she, I think it's actually kind of working. So how old is um, she now? She's 11 months, 11 months uh, last week. Oh, I cannot believe it. Nice. My baby girl. What's the my date? Baby girl. What's the... Uh, the third? Okay. So I, I cried when I like said goodbye to her today. I got not cried. Yeah. No, like I got choked up. I just, I, did you cry more for her saying goodbye to her? Cause you're not going to see her for a week, right? A week? No, a month, a month. You're not. Oh, I thought you were going home on the weekends. No, no, I have no. class in the okay. weekends. Okay, so did you cry more when you left your daughter for a month, or when Captain America got the hammer <laughs> in Endgame? And I went, I went honesty. The tears that would, um, <laughs> it was the quality, not the quantity. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I think I. It wasn't when Captain America got the hammer, but it's when everyone came back that I just started sobbing. <laughs> 
Like on your left. Yeah. Yeah. When I sell every, cause it was just, again, I said this a thousand times, but I will repeat it because it is amazing. Endgame did what no other film in my life has ever done. It made the end of an action film incredible. Even though I knew exactly what was going to happen. It was incredible. Yeah. And it was just a it's yeah. wonderful experience um, that I just forever, ever cherish. That being said, I, it was a more emotional pain saying goodbye to her yeah. because I realized I'm never going to see her that small again. Oh. Like when I come back, she's going to be bigger and I will not see her. That's, you know, and this was, I mean, of course, every day, you know, she's getting a little bit bigger and bigger, but just that thought of like, I love this. I just love her like so much. And I love the size that she is right now. She's just so much fun. I'm like, you're going to like, I'm going to come back and you're just, you're like, I knew she was going to be different. And that broke my heart. Yeah. So anywho, uh, are you guys? Are you guys gonna rely on FaceTime in order to talk to her? Mm-hmm. Part mm-hmm. of your yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's like, and, and that is screen time. And I do, I do wrestle with that a bit. But I was really happy when I, I noticed that she doesn't pay attention to the TV now when it's on around her. And we do our best to not have it on when she's yeah. when she's around. And she just yeah. doesn't. She's not really interested. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So next question. Yeah. Um, sorry, I, don't, I did not have it open. Hey, friends, let's take a brief pause to talk about our friends over at Tilma Parish. Let's make your parish database a little heavenly. Our world lives and breathes technology. We don't want to get lost in it. We don't want to get sucked into the techne. But technology can actually help meet people where they're at. We learn, connect, and communicate and participate in life online. It's an extended part of our lives today. Tilma is a ministry tool that helps parishes bridge this gap between the online technology-driven society and our flesh-and-blood sacramental church. It's technology that supports the parish, supports parish teams, and creates opportunities for parishioners to actually encounter Jesus in a personal way. How does it do that? Well, Tilma Parish allows you to manage all your parish needs in one place. We're talking events, people, giving, email communications, and, and your website. But the best part, it actually has a Roman Catholic ministry philosophy baked right in. Beautiful websites that create a welcoming experience, personalized email that prevents your parishioner from feeling like one lost in the masses, simplified online giving that makes a culture of generosity easy, and integrated people management that means you get to see the whole person when they sign up for marriage prep, the last class they attended, to the kinds of emails they signed up for. The more you see of your parishioners, the better you can serve them. And it's easy to manage, too, because Tilma is made for everyone on your team, no matter their skill level or experience with online database management, blah, blah, blah. It's simple, effective, and made to help move your parish towards renewal. The heart driving this technology is to equip parishes with what they need to love people well. With Tilma, big ministry impact is possible. So go check out a free demo right now at tilmaparish.com slash foxes, and you will get the first month on Tilma for free. That website again is Tilma, T-I-L-M-A, TilmaParish.com slash foxes. Much thanks to our good friends over at TilmaParish.com for sponsoring this episode of Catching Foxes. Next question. Um, Randomly going to pick one. Long distance. Ooh, Bradley. Good question. Good question, Bradley. Long distance relationships in the modern American Catholic scene. Are they worth it? Tips, advice for people in such um, situations. Can I talk about this for a bit? Yeah. Right, yeah. They, I mean, it's a good segue from Everly in your month away. Yeah. Yeah. They are absolutely worth it. Uh, you need to have a routine. You need to have, um, you need to stick with your routine and you need an end date. So long distance without an end date is just atrocious. And I think that doesn't work long distance with routine and understanding that, Hey, this is good. Hey, your, your end date doesn't necessarily even have to have a date per se, but it does need to, um, you need to know that it's coming eventually. And you need to kind of, you know, it needs to, I'm not saying like, like, I think it's fine. If you start to date a person on a Catholic match, who's, you know, maybe halfway across the country or is a couple hours away and you have to kind of, you know, find your routine, find ways to make it work, to then see if it's going to work. But it needs to be understood that at some point in time, one of you is going to have to move. You need to be able to have that conversation. And I honestly wouldn't date the person without having the, I wouldn't start a long distance relationship with the person. I don't even really think I did, to be honest with you, without having that. So at some point in time, 
like we're gonna like there's at least one of us is gonna have to move right and like okay yeah like we both agree that we don't want this to be the way that our relationship is until like we just magically get married at some point in time which i mean it could it could it could end in marriage and one would have to move but the but the understanding of like we both understand that this needs to be going towards um, one of us either being in person or it's not going to work. Does that make sense? There's, there's a bit of a difference there. Oh yeah. So I think that is crucial. So like with my family, my wife and my kids, it's different than when it was my girlfriend. I sucked at it long distance as a girl, as boyfriend, girlfriend. We had no routine. We had no schedule. It, it was terrible. I, and, and that I credit that, like that was that was a big problem because we didn't have that routine. Mm, yeah, and no, I no, think if, yeah. If you want to sustain it, you have to treat it like, hey, I'm at my job. I'm going to text her at you know when I go to my lunch break and at the end of the day when I'm heading home, and then we'll set aside time to call after dinner and mm-hmm. all that stuff. When I when I was dating Annie, Annie. Oh, sorry, I'm again. There it is. When we were uh, we had a routine like that. Um, for the three months that we were dating after she had graduated. And that, I think, kept it going because it was like, okay, I just finished dinner. Now I'm calling. You know, mm-hmm. and I'll, we'll talk for two hours or an hour or ten minutes, whatever it might be. But we always had that that time. I and totally then, recommend. I mean, that's a good advice. And there's, I, I don't ever – I would never say that long distance is better than in, in, in person. But there actually are some little things that are better. Um as someone who likes to talk on the phone and I really love to walk and talk on the phone, which turns out is like, a, just like everything in my life is an ADHD thing. Um, apparently when you walk, if you have ADHD, if you walk while you're doing something, it helps, it helps you focus. So and I, I don't remember this. I used to walk and talk on the phone all the time in college. Oh yeah. I do that too. I, I do that all the time. It. I loved it. I have, and I still, to this day, I would prefer if I could have a meeting on the phone, I would prefer to be walking or I would prefer to have a meeting, like just like, let's like stand up and like kick up like a up soccer ball or around and talk. Um, I, you, those talks can be really nice. Like you can really get to know a person through a lot of those um, conversations. Doesn't Trump in person by any means. And it doesn't even come close but you can get actually closer i think in a long distance relationship maybe a little bit faster because you have nothing but like you're just you don't have anything to do besides talk and the easiest and i find the best talks are the ones that are always the most personal but that being said it gets old really really quick and sometimes you actually it kind of sucks because all that all that you have is that and you don't have any of that like hey let's just kind of hang out and like play a game and just watch a movie and you know, whatever, have an end date. Um, absolutely do it, but understand that like, you know, this has got to end at some point in time, have some type of a routine. And I think you need to see each other probably once every three months. Yeah. At the very, very least. What do you think? As, as often as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, I definitely, um, try to think, and every time you have to separate from each other, you have to play that song. Save tonight and fight the break <laughs> of dawn. Yeah. Come tomorrow. Tomorrow I'll be gone. There's a log on the fire. Oh, I love that song. And, and it, it burns like me for Tomorrow comes with one desire to hold you tonight. Uh-huh. I thought tomorrow comes with one desire to take me away. Oh, that's another. That's another line. Going our way, how I wish, I wish it was so. So take this wine and drink Drink with me. (laughs) And let's delay on this. Gosh, the 90s were the late 90s. There was a sweet spot. That was so great. I love that song so much. Uh, And you know what? That song and another song, they always remind me of each other. And the other song is, um, and I believe that love <laughs> is the answer, and love will find a way. You remember funny. that song? Yeah, I associate that song with uh, that one rockabye song that I sang that one time. <laughs> rockabye, kind of like Nashville with a tan. Everything <laughs> is gonna be all right, rockabye. My uh, '90s kick begins and ends with a band called Gravity Kills and the song. Uh, enough and uh, gosh, enough is I think their best song, but you should listen to that. Gravity kills enough. enough. Luke, I got a question for you. Yeah.
If I were the pastor, here's some of the top three things I would do. Go. Ooh, if I were the pastor, top three things I would do. Uh, one, I would establish, I would really make the confessional one of my top priorities. Um, I think that is really important. Number two is I would have a leadership team like the Amazing Parish. We talk about the about the working genius and, and stuff, and I would really go out of my way to make sure that it is an actual team and the dynamics. I'm kind of curious about like this idea of a pastor uh, of viewing his staff almost like a spouse, as opposed to I mean, you, obviously it's a boss, so there's there's that, but. Um, finding a way to make it so it's very, very, uh, very relational and almost more of a give and take than a chain of command. <sighs> and then the third part, gosh, I don't know, man. Um, let me think really quick. The third thing, if I was pastor, what would I do? I would, you know, I would truly, I, this, this might not be what you are looking for, but I would truly understand i'd have to make myself understand that i am playing the long game here and immediate changes are not probably going to go very well yeah yeah you're in this for the long haul okay i asked a handful of people that question i got from my wife was the proper celebration of the mass including music offering confession daily and then being available to parishioners such as before and after mass attending events encouraging staff to have a relationship with christ I asked one guy who is a priest what were to happen if he were to become pastor, and he sent me these things uh, kind of off the cuff. I would disciple both my staff and my council members, and I would pour the majority of my energy on them like my 12 apostles. I would meet with each of them. I would mm-hmm. learn their love language and communication style like DISC. I would find out what kind of prayers they need, intentions. I would offer penances for them routinely. I would check in with them every three to six months in depth, and I would understand their job too and how they think it ties into making disciples in the parish. That's a great idea. Pretty awesome. Number two would be confession. Make it available. Celebrate it well, according to St. Alphonsus Liguori. And then working to educate people outside of the confessional on moral theology and how to go to confession well. And make it available on Sundays prior to Masses, if possible. Yep, that's amazing. That's that's an, I, I, want to, I just want to say something really quick. St. Mary's out in Denver, out actually out in Littleton, they do that. And I, I'm assuming that, that they still do. They did it while I was there, and it was they had it all going. They had priests that would be hearing confessions throughout all of Mass if there were still a line. And it was that, – that is a game changer. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful, beautiful. And now, then they, his, they, they can do that because they have like a lot of priests there. So Yeah. And the third thing is teach people to pray. And he said, uh, make moments of encounter readily available at the parish. And for prayer, it is reverent liturgy, liturgy of the hours, solemn exposition with prayer teams, holy hours of reparation and for special needs, praise and worship nights that don't have exposition, processions, and then teaching courses on mental prayer should be a part of parish life and incorporated into homilies. It's pretty, huh. it's pretty epic. I think it's interesting that all three of them contain uh, something about confessions. Yeah, this yeah. I asked. Uh, yeah, it it really should. <laughs> the, the church is full of sinners who don't want to be that anymore. Um, yeah, no, that's a that's a really really good point. I think people tend to forget that. I think, I think sometimes we view confession as being this sort of um, I don't know. I I I don't think we often pay attention to this the fact that people want to go. Yeah, I think I think we I think we talk a lot about giving them opportunities to go. So. Which is, it sounds weird, but those are kind of two, I mean, one obviously plays into the other, but every time I hear people talk about it, it's always about, well, are are you offering it to them? And I don't think we talk enough about how much people actually want it. Interesting. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And then lastly, Dave Van Bickle, his three are (laughs) adoration preferably, if not then intercessory prayer. Number two is comprehensive and well-marketed adult faith formation. And then three, a liturgy fitting of the mystery it conveys. Dave is so – I was going to say something about having like a bag that you could kick. No. It was like <laughs> having a speed bag uh, space in my it. office. Just like pew, 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 take that. So, all right. <laughs> um, we are at the 50-minute mark. I thought it was good. We are indeed, my friend.
We right. already. This Every, is a short episode. Why is it a short episode, Luke? Everyone is. A, this is. We're gonna have some short episodes because I am a Notre Dame studying, uh, getting an executive master's in nonprofit administration. Boring. <laughs> Listen, all that means is now I'll be making the big bucks. How much money do you think you're gonna make? Do you really want to know? Well, so what? Okay, let me rephrase this. What is the average annual salary of someone after they graduate from this program with the years of experience that you have? So that I don't know. I don't know. I, I was trying to find that, and I haven't asked them that. I have, but I. But I'm going to bring that up. It, it it does kind of vary with these things. There are people who are coming here who you know they just their heart is in a thing and they don't care how much they make. They just want to. They just want to lead well. Uh, me and Aaron have done a bit of talking and a bit of of um, investigating for the jobs that we think I could, you know, probably at least get an interview for after I would be done. And I think anywhere from one hundred to one hundred and forty thousand. Nice. So now, is that going to happen? I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. So we have certain limits, though, for certain areas that we might be. And it just, I don't know if I want to do the, those jobs, though. So this is all part of a process. Yeah, yeah. So I've, 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 I have um, thought about it. It would be, I mean, because if you look at, like, because you can go to any profits and you can find any nonprofit besides Catholic groups, which kind of annoys me. I, I think it's ridiculous that Catholic schools don't put their um, 990s out there. I th- really think more should. Um, just to be held accountable, but whatever. I'm just like, um, what do you have to hide? It's weird. I would, I, I'm, I am becoming more and more intrigued by like high level, um, nonprofit jobs with places like the, like the Red Cross. I mean, like this is, I don't want to work for the Red Cross, but you're more like really, really big ones doing very big things. I'm intrigued by that. What's one fun thing you're going to do at Notre Dame for the sake of catching foxes? Do something. Go take a picture of touchdown Jesus, put it on the Discord, put it in. I'll be like, Patreon. no, no, oh, thank you, post-modernity images of Christ. Not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Have you been to the library yet? No. I'm Okay, so I there are some catching, this is kind of cool, I've had some catching foxes on um, listeners who are going to be here over the summer for like a lot of stuff who have already reached uh-huh. out. So I'm going to try to, and so I'm, I'm saying, look, I don't know if I'll be able to hang out or not, but here's my email. Here's my number. If you want to grab like, if you want to grab like breakfast or dinner at some point in time, I would love to do that. Nice. Are you eating all your meals in their amazing cafeteria? Yeah. I got 80 meals, man. It's amazing. 30 days, three days a week. Sorry. Three meals a day, seven days a week. Mm-hmm.